we're talking about the faith life. And this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about putting your faith to work. Put your faith to work. Pastor Dietrich defined faith last week as it's to have a complete, unwavering confidence in something. Come on. In someone or a situation. A person with faith cannot be persuaded to think otherwise about a given situation. That means you are fully persuaded. Paul said, I am persuaded that neither life nor death. Come on. Powers, principalities, things present nor things to come can separate me from the love of God. Paul had a faith. Come on, somebody. Now, you can have faith in a lot of things. But you'll be disappointed if they're in anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you that this morning. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Romans. We're going to start there, Romans chapter 10. Because what I want to talk about a little bit to start out here is how you get your faith, how you develop your faith. How do I get faith? You know, I'm, listen, I go to church every Sunday, and I see, you know, Sister Sue over there. I see Sister Dorothy and Brother Elder. It seems like they have faith. How do I get faith? How do I get that? Uh, you know, I, I would like that. I would like to live a life of faith. I would like to believe God in these situations. But how do I get that? Well, I'm glad you asked because the answer is in Scripture. Romans chapter 10, starting at verse 14, it says, How then shall they call on him and who they have not believed? You can't even call on the Lord if you don't believe. And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? If you don't hear of him, you can't believe him and you can't call on him. And how shall they hear without a preach? Somebody got to preach. Come on. Somebody got to bring the word. Somebody somewhere bring a word. And how shall they preach if they are not sent? Everybody that's talking is not a preacher. You see, some were sent. Some just went. Come on. Everybody talking is not a preacher. You got to know the word for yourself. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring tidings of good things, glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? He comes to a conclusion here. So then, faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. You don't wake up and all of a sudden have great faith. Now, we'll see a little bit later that God has given you faith. You're born again. You do have a measure. We'll see that. And you know that. But you don't wake up and all of a sudden your faith is fully developed and you can just walk on water. Come on. All your circumstances don't bother you. Everything is great. You don't just wake up. You must hear and respond to the word of God. So then faith, how does it come? Faith, number one, comes by hearing. You must know that. Write that down. Faith comes by hearing. You must hear the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word. Now, if you look in the Greek there, the word word. It comes from the Greek word rhema. Rhema means to breathe word of God. So now what that tells me is, listen, I can't just go to church 
hear somebody yelling and screaming and say, oh, I got faith. I heard the word. Because on Monday, you really don't know what they said. It didn't get planted in your heart, but you heard somebody preaching. Come on. That's not what it is. But it's a rhema word of God. It must mean something to you. You must read the word. You must hear the word and go, yeah, okay. I get a witness to that. And it speaks to you. That's the rhema. And when you hear that breathed word of God, when you say like we do as Christians, I get a witness to that. We have our vernacular. Come on. When it speaks to you, then you have heard the rhema word of God. Now, you may say, well, I'm a person that, you know, I I try to hear from God and it just seems like God doesn't speak to me. I mean, God talks to, you know, Jared. God talks to Jackie. But God doesn't talk to me. What's the deal here? I'm trying to hear from God. What we're talking about here when it says you've heard the word, we're not talking about hearing a word for a specific purpose. Do I take the job or not? Do I marry this person or not? Do I move to California or not? We're not talking about hearing a prophetic word. We're not talking about hearing a word of knowledge. We're talking about hearing a word of witness. And in order to do that, you must hear the word. You must read the word. You must hear the word. And when you do that, if you sit under the word long enough, you're going to get a witness to something because God's word does not return to him void. And so you must get a witness. I hope you're following with me this morning. Now, maybe to some of you that kind of doesn't make sense. But have you ever been reading the Bible and you know you've read something before, but this time you read it and you say, oh, I see that a little differently. Rhema. Rhema. God just spoke to you. Now, in order to do that, you got to read the Bible. Maybe you're not hearing from God because you're not reading the Bible. Maybe you're not hearing from God because you're not praying. Maybe you prayed one time in 1989 and you're talking about God don't speak to me. Well, I'm just thinking that it's probably not God's fault. Now, I know there's some different situations, but you got to get into the thing. And so, number one, faith comes by hearing. Faith is believing God's word. Faith is corresponding action. We're going to talk about that. And when you really get down to it, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith really equals obedience. That's really what it is. When you really break it down, faith... I heard what God said, and I did it. That's what it is. So you can say something 27 times. Come on. You can sit down and money cometh to me now. You can say all that. Nothing's going to happen. I'm going to get that job. But unless you get up and obey, nothing's going to happen. Faith is simply obedience to God's word. Because in order to obey God's word, you have, to, you have to do the definition that was given before. Come on. You got to believe it, nothing wavering. You got to do it. Because nobody's going to obey the word of some, someone they can't even see. Come on. Unless I truly believe it. Got to believe it. I want to tell you something else. Faith sees. Faith Sees, and you can find that at a number of places. Go to Second Kings. I'm going to take you to a couple of different scriptures this morning, so you're going to get a little workout. 
as we kind of go through this, learn your Bible, go back and forth. We can get it. If you can't figure out where we're at, just go to the front. They got a little thing there. Genesis, Exodus, come on, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way down. Find out where we're at and get there. Second Kings chapter 6. Now, this is a story about Elijah and his servant Gehazi. As you know, some of you know, they were surrounded by an enemy, and the Bible called it a great army, okay? In fact, the Bible says that they were surrounded by horses and chariots and a great army. The horses and the chariots wasn't all of the army. They were surrounded by horses, chariots, and a great army. They were surrounded. Now look how Gehazi responds. He responds like you and I probably would have responded. The Bible says, and when the servant of the man of God was risen and had gone forth, verse 15, behold, he looked, he looked, saying it for a reason. Listen now, he looked. And host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, alas, master, how shall we do? In other words, I'm kind of scared. What are we going to do? I mean, we are surrounded. We can't even retreat because it says the whole city was surrounded by horses, chariots, and a great army. Uh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Elisha answered. He answered, fear not. For they that be with us are more than they that be with him, with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Now, I have a question for you. Just a moment ago, it said, behold. To me, that's saying that Gehazi was looking. Did he not have eyes? Were not his eyes open? I mean, he obviously saw the army. He saw that there were chariots and horses and a great army. But Elijah still prayed, open his eyes. You know what that tells me? That we got a pair of eyes that most people don't have open. <laughs> Come on. There's a pair of eyes there that most people don't have open. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. He saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots and fire all around Elisha. It was all around the man of God. Now, those angels were there already. They're there already. I want to tell you something. Your answer, your blessing, your breakthrough, whatever you want to call it, it's there already. Because God doesn't deal in time. God already has things prepared in eternity. The question is not whether will God do it? Will he prepare it? The question is when will it manifest? When will our faith be put into action to manifest what God already has prepared for us that we might walk in it? Oh, come on now. Gehazi's eyes were already open, but he obviously didn't see the enemy. Elisha prayed, open his eyes. So here's what I want to tell you about that. 
Faith, saints, listen to me now, is not blind. He said open his eyes. He didn't have any faith till his eyes were open. So this thing about blind faith, Christians, all they do is they just go by blind faith. No, we don't. We do not. And I think you're a fool if you go by blind faith. There is no blind faith in Christianity. God will open your eyes so that you might see. That's what the word says. Now, y'all might think I'm making it up, but I'm reading it here with Elisha and Gehazi. He said, open his eyes that he might see. Then God opened his eyes and he saw. What we going to do? Look, this is what we going to do. We're going to let the army of the Lord take care of it. Uh, y'all, y'all, y'all might not be getting this this morning. That's all right. That's all right. Faith sees. Faith is not blind. And you might think, because we're in a college town, come on, that uh, the way that you advance in life, and the only way that you advance in life, is to get as much knowledge as you can get. I need all the scientific knowledge that I can get so I can do my risk factors and I can do all the things that I need to do. Now, I'm not down in knowledge, obviously, or education. It is necessary. But in the kingdom of God, you're not really led by learning. Now, I'm saying some things this morning, and I understand it might not hit you right. It's all right. It'll get down in there. You're not really led by learning. You're led by discerning. I'm going to say that again. In the kingdom of God, you're not really led by learning. You're led by discerning. You grow by learning. You mature by being taught. But you walk by faith, not you walk by faith, not, all right, one day. Y'all going to get with me. One day. Come on. Walk by faith, not by sight. That's how you walk in the kingdom of God. You see, the natural world is trying to compete with the spiritual world, and it can't do it. It cannot compete with it. This is why education and knowledge should be a helpmate, not a sure fate. Come on. Education and knowledge, necessary. God put it here for a reason. And it should be a helpmate to you. You should be able to use it to get to where you need to go. But not be led around by it. Where's my education and knowledge taking me? I'm just going to go follow that, wherever it's going. No. And I don't mean to break your heart about that this morning. Come on. I see some very, very educated people, you know, non-Christian folks. I know we got some educated Christian folks in here, but it's some educated non-Christian folks. See, they don't, they don't like that. It, it don't hit them right. Because, see, they done paid all this money for this education. They done paid all this money, you know, <laughs> so that they could, uh, you know, know everything there is to know. And you see, you can't be smarter than God because God's the one that put that brain in your head in the first place. 
And so if he's not first, your education won't trump God. Now, God will talk to you if you got a Ph.D. God will talk to you as long as you know that he's first. Because last I remember, I read in Matthew chapter 6. Now, it wasn't Paul talking. It wasn't Peter talking. It wasn't Moses talking. But it was Jesus who said, but seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And a few things are going to be. All these things will be added unto you if you seek him first. And so our job is to press into the presence of God. Seek him first. This is why education should just help us, folks. Look at, look at 1 Corinthians. Turn over there with me. I'm going to keep you active so you stay awake. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Education should be a helpmate, not a sure fate. It's there to help me. It's like everything else. It's just like money. Money is the same way. Money should be a helpmate, not a sure fate. You're not led around by your bank account. A lot of us think we are, and it makes sense. It makes natural sense that I look at my bank account, and that's what I'm limited to. But if God speaks to you, you're not limited to anything but what his word tells you you can do, what he wants you to do. Your job is to be obedient to the word. Come on. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. In other words, I'm looking around and I, uh, you know, God's saying I'm not calling a whole lot of wise folk. I'm not calling a whole lot of, a whole lot of mighty men who already mighty, unless I made them mighty. I'm not calling many who are noble, who have risen, right, politically or whatever it may be. No. But God has chosen the what? Foolish things of the world. This is the script. This is the word. This is the apostle talking. I'm not making it up. He chose the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame those things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised. God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things which are that no flesh should glory in his presence. You don't have to be smart to have faith. But you have to have faith to be smart. Come on. You have to have faith to be smart. And you know, again, I'm not speaking against academics. Academia is purposeful and it absolutely has its place. It can be a catalyst. Come on. I know that. I understand from higher learning to higher living. I get all that. I understand it, but it's a helpmate. If you let it guide you around, it'll guide you right on down the wrong path. Come on. Everyone has been given a measure of faith. Now, we know that you, you, your faith is grown. Faith is received by hearing. Faith comes, faith comes, faith comes by hearing. But not your initial measure. You already have an initial measure. You have more faith, you got to hear the word of God. Romans chapter 12. Turn over there with me. 
Romans chapter 12. You've heard it before, but let's just look at it again so we can get this thing down in our spirit. You got to get it down in your spirit. You got to believe it because you got to live it. You can't just hear it. You can't just hear it and you can't just say amen and you can't just go, yeah, that, okay, I'd I see that. No, you got to live it. You got to walk it out. Romans 12 says, I beseech you, verse 1, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, come on, holy, acceptable to God, which is your what? Reasonable service. Ain't no big thing what you're doing. Come on. It's your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. In other words, don't let your education lead you around. Don't let other people tell you who you are. Don't let politics guide you and worry you. Don't let gas prices worry you. Come on. Don't let your boss limit you. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed from the inside out. Metamorphosis. God's coming in the inside. He's doing the work on the inside. Come on. Metamorphosis. Let be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect, perfect. Oh, Pastor Dietrich said that last week. The perfect will of, that's what God is interested in. No permissive will. Come on, let's go for a hundred. Let's stop this, stopping halfway. Ain't no half stepping. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself, what? More highly than he ought to think, but think soberly as God, as God has dealt to each one. Now here, I like the King James Version. Because the King James Version says, as God has dealt to each one, the measure of faith. That means we all got the same measure. You know, Billy Graham didn't get any more faith than you got when you were saved. When he got saved, he got the same measure of faith that you got and I got. Got the same faith. All of us have the same measure of faith. We have it. You have it. Don't think of yourself less. Now, he just told him, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. But he, said, he didn't say, don't think of yourself. Turn over to Galatians. Whose faith are we talking about? Whose faith? are we talking about now this is interesting to me Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 our favorite scripture there brother Carter says I have been what crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in this flesh I live by the faith now here again I like the King James on this one because the King James says, uh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I know some translations that you have out there say in, but the correct translation is just a small word, in, of, in, of, of the Son of God. I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, God gave us, when he gave us a measure of faith, Whose faith do you think he gave us? He gave us his faith. God gave us his faith. Now you ought to start getting excited. I know all that other stuff is just a little groundwork, but I'm going to tell you something here. The life which I now live in this flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Now, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> That's powerful right there. Look over at Mark. 
what does that mean for us? We have God's face, faith. What does that mean? Look at Mark 11. Woo, what does it mean? What does it mean that we have God's faith? Mark 11. Now, Jesus was walking, and uh, he was on his way to Jerusalem. And uh, he came out of Bethany, all right, and he was hungry. So let's look here at verse 12. It says, now the next day when he had come out from Bethany, he was what? Hungry. And seeing from afar off a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something to eat on it. And when he came to it, he found what? Nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. So most of us would say, okay, well, you know, nothing but leaves, things dried up, not the season for figs. Let's just stay hungry. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. Now, Jesus spoke to what? The tree. In response, Jesus said to it. Everybody say it. Say it again. Jesus spoke to it. You can speak to it. You can speak to things. You can speak to things that don't talk back. Come on. You can speak to problems. You can speak to disease. You can speak to storms. You can speak to it. Now, when I first heard this preached on, I was like, ah, you know, it just don't, it rubs me kind of the wrong way. You know, I just, I just don't know about that, just saying stuff. You know, I'm not God. That's how I felt. But God said, I gave you my faith for a purpose. And I want you to speak to it. Inanimate objects. Too often, we trying to speak to each other. Come on now. You got a problem, you're trying to speak to each other. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. Come on. You married, you mad at your husband, first thing you want to do is speak to him. Tell him. But that's not what Jesus spoke to it. Start speaking to the situation. And trust me, then your husband will lie and he ain't going to have a choice. Because the word that went forth now. He don't have a choice but to line up. He either got to line up or go somewhere else. Come on, the word is out there. Speak to it. Drop down to verse 20. Look at what he says down in verse 20. It says, now in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the root. All the way from the root. It just wasn't that the leaves died off. I mean, this thing, when he spoke that word, it went all the way down to the root came up through the tree and that thing was wiped out i mean it was dried out from the root the word when you speak the word of god it goes to the root of a thing when you put your faith to action it goes to the root you just don't deal with what's on top come on and peter verse 21 remembering said to him rabbi look the fig tree which you cursed has withered jesus said to them have faith in God, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever. He didn't say, well, surely I say to you, Jake's, Graham, 
Copeland, uh, maybe Joyce Meyer, uh, they will speak to the mountain. That's not what he said. He said, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt. We're going to talk about doubt next week. So come back. And does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I'm not making, look, I'm going to tell you, Elijah didn't say it. It wasn't Elijah. Come on. It wasn't him. It wasn't Enoch. And Enoch got swept up. Enoch didn't even die. But it wasn't Enoch that said this. This was Jesus. This was Jesus. And you notice when they were walking, here's one of the things that we have to get down in our spirit. Get down in your heart. Notice when they were walking and Jesus went over to the tree and he saw that it didn't have fruit even though it wasn't the season. Jesus always expects fruit because when he speaks the word, when when the word shows up on the scene, I don't care what season it is. See, this is what you got to realize. I don't, you, you might think, well, you know, it's just not the season. When, when God speaks something, I don't care what season it is in your life. The word transcends season. And here's, here's, what the, here's, here's the thing, because, see, we're driven by time. God's not driven by time. God's in eternity. So when he's ready to do something, it don't matter what season it is, he just speaks the word and the thing happens. Come on, that's what he's trying to show us. But when he's walking along there and he, and he speaks to it, no fruit will ever come from you again. The Bible says the disciples heard him. It didn't say they overheard him. It's not like they had to strain. Well, what's he talking about? No, he spoke it so that they could hear it. When God speaks a word to you and you have your faith and you need to speak something, go ahead and speak it. Don't speak it under your breath. Well, you know, God, I think you might, might do this. No, it says do not doubt. The disciples heard him. They didn't overhear him. They heard him say it. He was bold because now it, it, it moves God's word to action when he speaks it. Phew. Hebrews 11. Go over there. I'll tell you. We, let's work it out. Let's work it out. Hebrews chapter 11. Look at that. Look at Hebrews 11. And uh, I, I want to tell you something because... We, God has given you and I the measure of faith. How are we doing here? All right. God has given you and I the measure of faith. And whose faith is it? What do we say? Whose faith is it? His faith. Whose faith is it? Come on. Come on now. Speak it. Don't keep, don't keep the word under your breath. What did we just say? Come on now. You're almost done. You got to get out. It's his faith. He gave you his faith. For what purpose? What am I supposed to do? Am I just supposed to be, a, well, you know, I'm not, that was Jesus. I'm not, I just have a little bit of faith and a little mustard seed, and that's all I'm going to do. You know, we interpret that verse wrong. I just a little mustard seed, that's all. I, so I just stay out here on the sideline, let Brother James go, and I, Beatrice, she got it. She got it. I'm not the one. That's the way we do. We shrink back. Let me show you something, though. Hebrews 11, look at verse 3. It says, through faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. 
God's faith was involved in manifesting this earth. And now he's given you and I his faith to manage it. Come on. You cannot shrink back. You can't be a person who's just on the sideline. You can't be like that because God has given you a tremendous responsibility. He does all the work. The word does all the work. Your responsibility is what? To obey his word. You got to know it to obey it. Come on. God's faith was involved in manifesting this thing. He manifested the world by faith. He had faith, spoke it, and it appeared. That same faith is in you. Are you getting the connection? Come on. It's not a small thing. That same faith is in you. Don't shrink back. Now, how do we manifest it? See, one of the things we do, we're driven by time. We're driven by the world. We're driven by knowledge and education. We're driven by our bank account. We're driven by what others say about us. We're driven by our job. We're driven by all of those things. Turn over to Colossians 3. Because God wants you to understand that you you don't have to be driven by those things. See, we're looking linearly. We're looking this way. When really, I want to tell you a little secret. God wants you to just look this way because there's something else. Colossians 3, verses 1, 3 says, If ye then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ. Seek those things which are above. And you might say, well, if I'm just looking up, God, and I'm seeking the things which are above, I might miss something. You know, I might miss, I might miss what's going on in the world. There's things going, things I want to accomplish. I'd like to buy a house for my family. I'd like to get a promotion on my job. I'd like to prepare for retirement. Or I'd like to uh, prepare to have a family. To get, I want to, there's a lot of things I want to accomplish. God already solved all that. Because we already said in Matthew chapter 6, come on, what? But seek you first the kingdom. Seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. All these things will be added unto you. Somebody, some one person at least is going to get it. Come on. All these things will be added unto you. The enemy wants you to operate in this natural realm only. Come on. Because if he can keep you in that natural realm, he can put a ring around your nose and lead you anywhere he wants you to go. If you keep in time, and that's all you're looking at, he can dominate you. But if you can look to where God is and you can take the enemy out of time, he can't dominate you. He can't dominate you. Look at Luke. Come on, a couple more scriptures. We'll be done. Luke, Luke chapter 18. Flipping back and forth. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Before John. 18, look down at verse, look at verse uh, 29. Says, so this is Jesus talking again. So he said to them, assuredly I say to you, 
There is no one who has left house or parents or brother or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in the present time. One says, one version says in the present age. Another version says in the present world. Okay. In this present time. And in the age to come, the, the, the time to come, the world to come, which is eternal life. You'll receive both in this world and in the world to come. Now, what he's talking about there, he's not talking about the world in terms of terra firma, in terms of the, the earth as it is. He's talking about a dispensation, a time. There's a time now and then there's a time to come. Here's what God is saying when he says, seek those things that are above. Set your mind on those things where Christ is. Well, where is Christ? Christ is in eternity. That's where we need to set our mind. But if you can do that, you'll be able to manifest what's there to here. Because we're still living here in time. I don't know if you're getting that or not. You see, here's what happened. Here's what I believe happened. When Jesus, whenever he healed someone miraculously, the blind man came to him, son of David. Peter said, Just shut up, man. What is this guy? We're trying to walk down this way. Jesus said, no, no. I hear somebody calling. He went over to him, son of David, have mercy on me. And when he healed the blind man, or when he told one, get up, take up your bed and walk. Or when the guys were on the roof and they moved the roof out of the way. And lowered their buddy down in there. And Jesus saw their faith. And he said, take up your bed and walk. What I believe Jesus did based on this, because there's a world to come, is Jesus was able to reach into a different time. Come on. He was able to reach into eternity where there's healing, where there is no sickness, where there is no disease, where there is no lack, where there is no poverty, where there is no offense. Come on. He was able to reach into that time. Come on and bring back the manifestation of what's there to this time. And the thing about it is, if Jesus was able to do it, he gave you his faith. Guess what? Yeah, I'm going to say it. You able to do it too. You are able to do it. Speak the word only. Faith has the ability to believe and act and reach into a world. Come on and bring back and manifest what's there. And then finally, 2 Corinthians. Come on, I know you're getting to work out. You're almost done. We're almost done. Come on, 2 Corinthians. I know you're getting hungry. People getting hungry. All right, that's good. Be okay for now. That's good. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at, uh, um, look at verse... Let's see, where do I want to go to? 2 Corinthians 4. Yeah, that's why I got to get to 2 Corinthians. I mean, 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 4, look at verse, uh, uh, let's start at 17. Do 17 and 18. It says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look, listen now, at the things which are seen... But at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are what? Temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. The things which are not. That's why he says, set your mind on things above. I don't care that somebody just told you no. 
The thing is, did God say no? If he said no, then do something else. Do what he said do. But if God is yes and amen, that's what you're going by. I don't care what someone else said. You set your mind on the things of Christ in eternity. So what do we have to do? We have to develop our faith and put our faith to work. God, listen, is depending on you because he gave you his faith. Come on, he left this earth in the physical realm. The way that he is here is right there, right there. That's how he's here now, you and me. It's not some spooky, ooh, where is the Lord? Yeah, he right here, right now. Come on, this is where he is. He gave his faith to us to steward this world. How do we put our faith to work? Well, the first step is we have to begin to speak faith. We have to believe it in our heart and we must confess it with our mouth. You're not even saved unless you do that. You got to believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth. You can't confess it with your mind. Come on, are you hearing me this morning? You can't confess it in, you know, with, you can't confess it in your heart. You believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth. Come on. And one of the reasons why the enemy does not want you to begin to confess things with your mouth uh, is because he doesn't want you to clean up your speech. And that's what we need to do, folks. I'm going to tell you, we, and I'm looking in the mirror. Come on. I'm looking right. Oh, yeah, I, I know you're looking at me. I'm looking right at myself. We need to clean up our speech. The enemy wants to keep you in a place where you don't believe what you say will come to pass. He wants to keep you in a place of, I'm always going to be in poverty. I'm never going to get that promotion. I'm always going to have diabetes. I'm, I'm just going to have to live with this condition. That's where the enemy wants to keep you in that place. He wants to keep you believing it, and he wants to keep you speaking it. But we have got to clean up our speech. Let me, can I just take you to one last scripture? I keep saying, you know, this is, you know this is the preacher's five minutes, okay? So just... Go all the way back to Numbers. This is one last one. Come on, for today. One last one. Go all the way back to Numbers, if you would, with me. Go back to Numbers, because I'm going to show you this. Numbers, uh, go back to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter number 13. You know this story, but I'm going to tell you how we need to clean up our speech. Think about this. Numbers chapter 13. This is about Joshua and Caleb. You know, they went over to the, the promised land. And uh, brought back a report, 12 of them went over, 12 spies. It was the CIA way back, actually that was a Mossad, wasn't it? Way back then. Verse 30 says, then Caleb quieted the people. They were all in the ruckus. Oh, they're back. What's going on? Ooh, we don't know. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Caleb said, hey, everybody, calm down. Calm down. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once. And take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. We can do this. He said, we are well able. Well, then the other men who were with them said, we are not able to go up against them because they are stronger than we are. What does that have to do with God because somebody's stronger than you? That has absolutely nothing to do with God. Because what that's telling me is that you're trying to go in your own strength. Well, I'm not going to do that because that person's stronger than me. That, that, that problem is stronger. That circumstance is stronger than me. God has said, I thought I gave you my faith. So that means you're not doubting yourself. You're doubting me. That's what God is saying. Come on. You're doubting me. You're doubting me. 
Remember the ten, stay right there. Remember the ten lepers that came to Jesus. I think that's over in Luke 17. They came to him and they said, son of David, it's Jesus, have mercy on us. You know what? If you read that, we won't go over there. But if you read that, Jesus immediately said, uh, go show yourself to the priest. Just like that. I mean, just like that. Read it. He said, they can't. Oh, Jesus. Then they stayed back a little bit. You know, Keith, I don't want to come too close. Have mercy on me. He said, go show yourself to the priest. Guess what they did? Start walking. And the Bible says, as they walked, they were healed. They weren't healed standing there looking. Go show yourself to the priest. You're still sick. What? Whoo! Healed. Come on, you got to get up and go do something. You got to obey. You got to have what? As my wife tell me, corresponding action has to, has to go along with your belief and your speech. The corresponding action has to be there. Come on, you must have corresponding action. Now back to, finish up, back to Joshua and Caleb. Look, look, at, the, look, at, look at chapter 14. After all this, they gave him an evil report, okay? Just look at verse 1. I promise you, just look at this. It says, so all the congregation lifted up their voices and what? Cried. Another version says they wept. You know, because you can say they cried like they cried out and made a, a loud cry. No, they wept. Tears was coming down their eyes. We can't go in. And the people, there it is, wept. That night, they wept. Why do you think they wept? Why did they start to cry? Why? Because of what they heard. It was their unbelief. But they started crying because of what they heard. You see, words begin to form pictures in our mind. People speak over your life. Even when you speak, it begins to form pictures. And therefore, the, the enemy now can come in and begin to form vain imaginations in your mind. That's why Paul said we need to cast down vain imaginations. But that's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy is able to impose vain imaginations on us. So these two things we must remember. Here it is for today. You see it up there. This is what we got to work on. Clean up your speech. Clean it up. And listen, now you're going you're gonna to have to, I'm going to tell you this, you just got to be careful of loose lips, being around people with loose lips. Now, people are going to say a lot of things. I understand that. You know, they're going to say a lot of things. There's nothing you can do to stop it. You know, don't, don't pop them in the mouth or anything like that. No, it's not what we're saying. But you just speak what you're supposed to speak. Speak the word only. Speak the what does the word say. Speak that. We've got to begin to clean up our speech. And as I told you, I'm looking in the mirror, folks. Come on. We can do this. Let's clean it up. What am I saying? Am I telling you? I'll get into this later. I'm not telling you to say, don't say things. You know, I'm not telling you to say things the word doesn't say or make up stuff. No, you've got to know the word. So you need to pray, you need to read the word, and this is what you, this, when I say clean up your speech, I'm talking about speak the word only over situations. And then you got to have corresponding action. If he tells you, get up, go show yourself to the priest, what you going to do? Get up and go show yourself to the priest. Do you realize that, I'll tell you another, just real quick. <laughs> what time is it? Are we ready to go? Yeah, it's time to go. And, uh. Remember when that, remember he was feeding the 5,000? You remember that. And uh, he, they said, that, and they came up to Jesus. They said, uh, Jesus, you've been preaching. This is good. We loved you the way you're preaching. I mean, man, you could preach. 
you know, but, you know, the people hungry. Said the people hungry. Now, we're not. Now, we could go all day. We could go all day. I'm telling you, woo, Lord Jesus. Woo, we could go all day. See, that's what y'all saying right now. Y'all like, Mike, we could go all day. Don't worry about it. But the people hungry. These kids hungry, you know. And uh, so, so Jesus said, you give them something to eat. He said, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. It's like Jesus gave us faith to steward this world. But then what happened was, so he said, all right, here's the boy with the, with the loaves and the fish, brought it to Jesus. He broke the bread, broke it, and then, and then uh, prayed and gave it back to the disciples. It was the same uh, two loaves and fish, five loaves and two fish. It was the same. He broke it and gave it back to him. Same thing. You know when it started multiplying? Corresponding action. Come on, somebody. When they started walking it out. There was corresponding action. That's what we need. Stand to your feet.